Buenos dias, church. Uh, I was asked to preach on envy while Pastor Adam is on vacation. <laughs> Makes no sense. I want to be on vacation. Well, my name is Gabriel, as you know. Um, I see some people, new faces. I hope my, uh, my accent won't left you a headache <laughs> after church. But uh, it is a privilege for me to be able to bring the Word of God into our hearts. Today, the topic is envy. One of the, we're, we're going through the seven deathly sins. And today, we are going to be talking about envy. I would like to start by reading the scriptures, Proverbs 14.30. It says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. I was looking at other versions of the scriptures, and another version says, decays, envy decays the bones. The contemporary English version says, it is healthy to be content, but envy can eat you up. The other scripture reading is is coming from Galatians uh, chapter 5, and it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for inspiring all the scriptures by your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, by your grace to hear your holy word so that we might be well prepared to bring honor to Christ in everything that we do. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. The route I'm going to take today is we're going to see the nature of envy. Then I will see the seed of envy and the antidote for envy. So, the deadly sins, seven deadly sins. In the list of the seven deadly sins, envy is the most detrimental of all, it grips our heart and immediately starts corrupting it. It is very similar for, for those who are knowledgeable in computers, very similar to a computer virus. As soon as you allowed it, it starts populating and infecting your whole mental programs. Say, for instance, I am married and I have a nice wife. 
but I envy you for having a better marriage and a nicer wife. See, I don't like you. If I play any sports, I end up envying you, envying you other players who have more speed, they have more stamina, more technique, and more discipline. And as soon as this happens, I hate them altogether. Say I think I'm, I'm a pretty good leader. I am a good leader. However, I envy you because you're a better leader than me. You have better ideas. And you, you, you have much more follow-through, and I hate you for that. Or maybe, which is true in my life, I'm close to retirement now. And I think I'll be fine until the moment that I learn that you will be better than me. That your retirement is better than mine. I don't know. All of a sudden, I hate you too. Did you know why we hate people? Why? Do you have an idea why I dislike people who have much stuff, more stuff than I do, who have a better fortune that I, that I have? I hate them because it hurts. I like myself. I like myself. And it's not easy to take other people's successes. Because I like myself and this hurts. And it hurts exactly when I see, when I start comparing myself to other people. John Stott said it accurately. He said, envy is the reverse side of a coin called vanity. Nobody, nobody is ever envious of others who is not first proud of himself. No one is envious unless pride is first in his heart. Our pride leads us to compare ourselves to others. It is our pride. Contrast. Now, I find ourselves, say we find ourselves better than others. Yeah? I beat you on that one. Yeah? Then I feel arrogant. Then I feel arrogant. I'm better than you. I will let you know that I am better than you. Say you're better than me then the problem is that I become miserable. Either or, either or, whatever the outcome is, it is detestable before the Lord. God doesn't want that. So the nature of envy. The Greek philosopher Aristotle gives us a definition of envy. He said, he said, envy is pain at the good fortune of others. 
Wow, envy is pain. If you're taking notes, write that down. Envy is pain. It is a painful feeling of not having what others have. Terrible not to have what others have. Remember, oh, my precious. I must have my precious. You know, you know how it goes. Smeagol versus uh, Gollum. Smeagol versus Gollum. I know Christians like that, you know. Very, very much like him, or better said, like them. For those who missed the line, I am referring to a fictional character from the Lord of the Rings saga that presented a polarity between good and evil. Another definition of envy is envy is a feeling of unhappiness at the blessing or at the fortune of others. Notice this. Envy always operates close to home. Always close to home. In other words, I'm not going to be envy of President Obama. For sure, some other presidents may. But not me. Why? Because I don't play in those major leagues. Oh, but I could be envy of my neighbor. I could be envy of my relative. You know why? Because I feel... I feel that I can be as good as them, or even better than them. And then I start thinking, they don't deserve what they have. I do, though. Envy is a nasty feeling. It corrupts our souls. It is very corruptive in nature. Now, for centuries... The seven deadly sins were called capital sins. Have you heard that term, capital sins? Or mortal sins? Well, the adjectives capital or mortal or deadly define not the gravity, not the gravity of the sin itself, but rather the fact that these sins give growth to many other sins. There are sins that generate more sins. In other words, that's what I said, it is like a virus. Like a Trojan horse virus that compromises immediately your heart. As soon as you click it, starts populating your heart with envy. It is different though because Envy is the one sin on the list that has no pleasure in it whatsoever. Envy has no pleasure. All of other sins out of the seven are somehow dubiously enjoyable. I laughed when I saw this in the internet. Say, gluttony, you get something to eat. Greed, 
You have a little money. Sloth. You dress slovenly and take naps. <laughs> Pride. You feel good about yourself. Lost. Your libido, energy is gratified. Angry. You momentarily feel some pleasure, but envy. Envy. What do you really get out of envy? Envy is not fun. Envy makes us feel smaller than other people. Really, envy is a pathetic sin. There is nothing good about it. And yet, as pathetic as it is, envy is everywhere. Everywhere. Envy is ingrained in our culture. Because we live in a very competitive planet. That's why we have envy all over. Envy is the key behind a great deal of advertisement. I was searching the web while I was preparing this, and I put envy on Google. And the first thing that I saw is a perfume. I found Gucci Envy perfume. Now, it's a nice name, huh? Don't be envious. They created for both men and women, so we can both have it. <laughs> so, envy me by my perfume. Nowadays, media has used envy to start one of the biggest epidemics of all time. Hunger for fame. Celebrity culture is essentially a world of envy. It is a parade of people who exhibit everything that you don't. It is people that exhibit a desirable quality. For instance, looks or acting, sporting abilities, etc. Celebrity culture is based on envy and jealousy. Now, people that have worked this, you know, in the media, have come up with very good results for people to see. So, envy goes from Dancing with the Stars to Hollywood Game Night with The Apprentice in between. See, we all, every, every program we see on, on celebrity culture are full of envy and jealousy. Uh, now, for some people, envy is a damaging and destructing force. Throughout history, envy has been seen as a malign type of force. For instance, in the Roman Empire, in our first century, envy was considered to be a force capable of destroying the good fortune of someone else. In the rural Greece and Italy, it was considered dangerous to praise the beauty of a baby. Since antiquity, people have created 
amulets and recite charms to prevent or to avoid the evil force of envy known as the evil eye. And people use some evil eye uh, pendants to protect myself. I saw a lot of celebrities with those. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament contain references about the evil eye. In the scripture we found them, we found evil eye as an expression of envy, avarice, or jealousy that leads to corruption, leads to perversion, and ultimately death. So what is the seed of envy? Well, before I tell you what the seed of envy is, let me start by saying that the best soil, best soil for envy to grow is our own heart. It seems that it's just a perfect combination for envy to grow. I mentioned before that we live in a very competitive planet. In this planet, this very competitive planet, we, we have only two kinds of people, winners and losers. That's it. No more. It was Satan, the one who introduced envy into this world. It is a trick that Satan uses to break the harmony between God and humans. It is a trick that he uses to break harmony among humans as well. The seed of envy is called comparison. When you compare yourself, as I said, we have the inclination to compare ourselves to others because pride our pride in us pushes us to do that. When we do that, we end up being arrogant or dejected. There's no more, no more outcomes on envy. The Apostle Paul gives us an admonition in 2 Corinthians 10. It says... Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Now, you see, they were doing two things. According to this passage, they were measuring themselves by one another. Measuring themselves. And they were also, number two, comparing themselves with one another. Both things are useless. We have to understand that envy corrupts our character and makes us wretched. But ultimately, 
we have to understand that envy is a sin against God. It is a sin against God. Now let me tell you, let me ask you, we believe that God is sovereign. We all say yes to this, correct? We also believe that he is in control. We always say he's in control. No matter what, he is in control, right? We believe Christ is sitting on the throne. We even sing it. Christ is sitting on the throne. Right? We believe that. We believe that God loves us immensely. Agreed? And yet, when it comes to our own life, we question why that guy has more stuff than me. When it comes to our life, I, I, I question why that guy is more handsome than me. Why is it that my sister-in-law has it all together and not me? I thought we said that God was sovereign. I thought we said that God was a loving God. It seems to me that the problem here is that we really don't trust God. We don't trust that sovereign God that we say we have. The one who gives us everything. The one who knows what is best for us. And we don't trust him. We're pretending that we trust him. But actually we don't. God's desire for us is to live in a beautiful dimension of his grace. He wants us to live in that dimension, but we ignore it. Because actually, I have a better plan. Or I think I can do better. Well, the antidote for envy, as I mentioned earlier, it was Satan, the one who introduced envy to this world. Thankfully, there is a cure for envy. It is called contentment. Contentment is found in comparing ourselves not to that man or that woman, but to Christ. Christ is our model to follow. We should be looking to be more like him, not like my neighbor or my sister-in-law, to Christ. It's a matter of setting our minds on the promises of God. But sometimes, really, to be honest, it's difficult to trust the promises of God in this life when I see my neighbor has more stuff than me. You know, we have to be grateful stewards of the gifts, blessings, resources that we already have. Not what we don't have. The antidote for envy lies in living under a constant sense of his divine presence in our lives. Charles Spurgeon once said, it's beautiful, the more of heaven there is in our lives, 
The less of earth we shall covet. The fear of God casts out envy of men. We need to learn to constantly live under that beautiful divine presence of the Lord. But how is this possible? How is this possible? Well, I have a twofold answer for that. It is possible if we live by grace and by faith. Why grace? Because God is lavish with his grace, says the scripture. His grace never ends. Now I'm telling you, when we taste his grace, our hearts are overwhelmed with gratitude. And to be honest, it is difficult, if not impossible, to find envy in a grateful heart. I'll give it to you again. When we experience His grace, we feel our heart is overwhelmed with gratitude. When we we feel that gratitude, it is very difficult, if not impossible, to find envy in our grateful heart. When you see people that have what you don't have, be grateful for what you do have. It's very simple. Very simple. The other part of the answer is faith. Now we know by heart, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Don't we? Do we believe this? Do we really believe this? That the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Let's pay attention to the words of Christ. Matthew 6. This is Jesus talking. Look at the birds of the air said Jesus. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where is our heart? Where is our heart? I do believe that it is through the Holy Spirit that we receive God's grace in Christ. 
There's no other way. The Holy Spirit allows us to receive that grace. And I also believe that we are able then to have faith in God. Faith, grace. Grace and faith fulfill my heart. Regardless what other people have. I have grace, I have faith. And he will take care of me. If we want to live by the Spirit, we must make a decision today. Here's the decision we need to make. And with this I conclude. The decision is, we must make a decision between a life fueled by the Spirit, life fueled by the Holy Spirit, or a life prompted by the desires of the flesh. The decision is ours. And we have to do that constantly. The Holy Spirit, who dwells on us, will work, will work through us to be able to accomplish that. He wants us to be new creatures and behave as new creatures in Christ. So church, if we live by the Spirit, as we read already, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. When we do that, envy vanishes. And what we have left is grace and faith. The Lord will take care of the rest. Do we believe this? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for letting us learn about your will, letting us learn about your commands, your commandments, and for keeping alive the faith in our hearts. Lord Jesus, grant us your grace so that we may love you even more and that we might do your will with a smiling heart and an open mind. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen.